Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. I am Pastor Julie Shecker, and I am so excited to be with you again this week. Well, hey, tonight we have an important discussion. We're going to continue talking about what we talked about on Sunday morning. The sermon on Sunday morning was about how you can keep your shoes on, which are the shoes of the gospel of peace, and how it's really important that as we do that and we become mobile in our lives that we are helping people to make a decision about their eternity. And, at, and today I have with me Miss Haley DeRoche. Hi guys, good to be with you tonight. And I'm so excited to have Haley here because as if you were to ask me, who, who needs to sit next to you if you're having a discussion about, about sharing the gospel and helping people make a decision about their eternity, then Haley would definitely be the one because Haley, her role here at Movement Church, it's it's a it's a big one, and sometimes I don't I don't think we actually ever say all the things in one in one turn. But I just I said them to her when we were just off camera. So Haley oversees about a quarter of our church. So she oversees our prayer ministry, our intercessions, any of our intern students. She oversees what we like to call front door ministries, which is basically everything that anyone who walks on campus, it is, it is one of the goals of Haley's team that, that if you walk onto our campus, you feel like you are loved and you belong. Yeah. And that is kind of their mission. If you ask them what their mission is, we want people to know that they're loved and, and, they're belong, and they belong. So she oversees all of those, we call them campus, adult campus ministries. And so Haley, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. We've been on a couple missions together. A few. Oh, adventures. We were both in India in the fall. We were. And we've been um, in Africa together. And so we've done a lot of traveling together. And so this whole idea of evangelism, I know, is something that burns in your heart. Yeah, come but on. would you do me a favor? So when we, when we talk about evangelism, I think there's some terms in our, our Christian lives that people say and you go, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you go kind of, what? Can you just tell me exactly? And Haley, I think you're going to help us with this. Tell me, what is evangelism? Well, I think when you look, evangelism is a big word that we can complicate, but essentially it's sharing a message. And it's, for us in the context of Christ, it's sharing Christ's message and the story of salvation and life and eternity in the context of the kingdom of God. So it's, it's us being willing to share that with other people and express it. And I love, there's a definition of evangelism that says zealous advocacy of a cause. Oh, that's so good. And I'm like, zealous, so are we zealous for Jesus? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Or that's when so I evangelize, good. am I freaking out and sharing yes. Yes. his goodness? Or am I zealous and excited? And right, right. Or are you just checking boxes? Like, right? oh gosh, I guess Come I'm on. supposed to tell you about Jesus. And let me just check that box. I guess I did. Well, I, I, I like there was a definition that I saw. The purpose is to put men, women, and children in touch with the living God. Um, and so I think that's part of it is that my, my role is I want to I connect people to God and to the truth of Jesus. And I love that zealousness. I like that idea of we should be zealous because I don't think we should be afraid. But I also don't think that it's burdensome. Because I think we were, we were kind of created to do that. And, you know, Matthew 28 talks about the Great Commission, and it says that we should go and make disciples of all nations. All, we like the all nations part. All. 
Let's like go all over. Because <laughs> I think both of us are very mission-minded. Yeah. And so when it's like all nations, I'm like, all right, I'll go, I'll sign up for that. But anyway, so here's a question. With that said, what's the difference then? Because we hear people go, well, I'm an evangelist. And we know that in the fivefold ministry, there's, you know, evangelist is included in that. But so tell me, is there a difference between evangelism and an evangelist? So speaking office of an evangelist, an office is when we look at Ephesians 4, speaking of the fivefold, that the office is, as it says in scripture, for the equipping of the saints, for the body of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so in the office, you are an equipper. You're a preparer. You're the one passing out the tools and teaching people and commissioning people into that role. But then the whole church, everyone, if you've had an encounter with Jesus and you declare him as Lord and Savior, you are commissioned and called to share the gospel to preach, which is evangelism. So we are all that Matthew 28, like go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Like there is a participation that you walk into as a member of the body of Christ to share that message. Right. So we're all called to evangelism without question. Yep. But then there's something different about that office of an evangelist. And it's kind of like that office. We're all called to shepherd or provide care over people. We're all called to teach the gospel, but there are offices of those, um, of those same giftings. I like in the text, it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And as he's talking about the evangelist, it's actually someone who's able to equip in that area. And usually there's a supernatural anointing that is also exhibited in, in, in an evangelist can come in and go, literally you can see them do like Billy Graham. I've been to a couple Billy Graham crusades when, when he was um, blessing us here on the earth and he could literally tell the most simple story and 40,000 people just would clear their seats in an arena and go down and give their lives to Jesus. And you go, he literally talked about, you know, whatever the most simple story was, how did that happen? And this was supernatural, just anointing on him. And I mean, Billy Graham in our time, was the modern-day perfect example of an evangelist. Well, and a couple of years ago, I did that kind of mentorship with someone who I think walks in just this anointing of an evangelist, and mm-hmm. he participated. Yeah. He was like a hardcore rock band guy. And in the middle of guy. I, sorry, the technical <laughs> term, the rock band guy. I was a rock band guy. He was a guy in the rock band. <laughs> and in the middle of like intermission of their thing, he would get up and he'd preach the gospel. And one time he told us a story that he wanted to just test it out. And so he jumped up and he's like, I'm just going to say who wants Jesus come forward. And it was almost the exact same amount of response without him even having to say anything. But just because that anointing that someone carries in that specific area, people just flock to you. And it's so cool. It's such a gift. Right. It, it really is. You know, as you're even saying that, it reminded me so much of the stories that we hear from Papa Don. Because in those early days of, of the early 70s and late 60s, Papa Don said, you know, I, I had him come into my office an hour every week for six weeks because I wanted to hear about what was up in that Jesus people time, right? And he would say it was so crazy. We just... 
I opened the Bible and I said, I read three lines from the book of Ephesians and, and then everyone gave their life to the Lord. And the next week there was more people and they couldn't fit in the house and we had to open the windows. And I'm going, that's crazy. It's an anointing. That's an anointing. Yeah. And that's what I asked him. I said, so what was the most, what was the thing that you would say was the key to that time? And that's what he said. He goes, we were anointed, but we didn't know we were anointed. Mm. We just kept saying, okay, I think we need more chairs in the building because next week we're going to need more chairs. So, so here's a question. So we live in such a results-driven culture, right? Yeah. And so I think even in the church, um, I can tell you that a good amount of churches, as, at least in the, in the Western world and, and quite possibly all over the world, um, one of the things that they, they kind of track as far as data, and, and trust me, I'm a data person because my role here, that executive pastor role, data is interesting to me, but they kind of track. Well, we had 72 converts this year. So, and we, we definitely live in this results, results driven culture and there's an ROI to everything. And it's easy to kind of get caught up in the numbers as it, re, as it relates to evangelism. So here's my question. Cause I know that there have been many people that I, I don't have the Papa Don or Billy Graham gift. But I definitely have the passion. So, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But there are so many times where I've shared the gospel with people and I'm doing my evangelism, right? And they don't accept Jesus. And so, Haley, does evangelism require us to end up in a sinner's prayer? And do you think there's a danger in the pursuit of numbers? So I'm going to answer the second part first, okay. because yes, there is an absolute danger if all you're after is numbers, because it's not numbers, it's souls. There are people that you are pursuing for the gospel. You have to see the face and the heart behind it. If they're just a number to elevate your platform, that's gross. That's not God's heart at right. all. But I do believe that numbers help us and other people's response is insight into our effectiveness, which there's always a willingness on our part to be better, to practice, to uh, be more sensitive, to learn. Like we're not going to start day one and be excellent at sharing Jesus with someone and leading them to Christ. It's something that grows over time. And the first time I led someone to Jesus, it was so messy and <laughs> I cried more than they did and because I was just like, this is such a big deal. And they're like, what's happening? Like they were more freaked out by me than right. yeah. being saved. But I've improved over time as I've practiced and worked right. on being able to share that message. And so right. it isn't about the number, but I think there's something beautiful about saying, I'm going to keep sharing regardless of how people respond because it's, we are called to spread the seed. But it's between that person and the Lord to deal with the response and the answer. And ultimately, everyone has a choice. Right. They get to right. say yes or no. And right. we're just participating and putting that option in front of them. And through our own lives, showing him our, our example and what the possibility of life in Christ can be. Right, right. And I think the, the last part of that verse in 1 Peter 3.15, that's what's kind of coming to mind. And, and, and I want to talk about that in just a little bit because some people sent in questions ahead of time. But it says that, you know, we should always be ready, you mm -hmm. know, to give an answer for the hope that is within us. But it says at the You're end. You're stealing my Devo for tomorrow. Do this <laughs> with gentleness <laughs> and respect. 
Is that your Debo? Yes. Okay, so please watch Haley's Debo tomorrow because she will talk about this. Not exactly the so, gentleness part, but yeah. But do this a with gentleness bit. and respect. But here's here was my thought because we were talking a little bit about these questions ahead of time. And, and by the way, if you have questions, go ahead. And you want to definitely respond if you're watching and there's a chat box. Go ahead and ask those questions because... Uh, Haley actually has them and she'll bring them up and, and if we can, we'll definitely address and answer your questions. So let us know you're there. We saw a lot of names ahead of time and we're going, oh yay, you know, hi Gailey, you're listening or, you know, so go ahead and ask questions if, as we go, if there's something that we're not addressing, we would love to. But here's, here was my thought as you were talking about that because I, you know, my whole thing is I want to help people make a decision about their eternity. Totally. And I said that this Sunday, and, and again, go listen to the message if you didn't. But we, so in my brain, evangelism for me is about being able to speak into the decision that people make about their eternity. Everybody makes one, as I say. You can say, I don't want to make a decision. That's still a decision. Mm -hmm. But every single person on the planet is making a decision about their eternity. And every single day, the mission is that I would actually get to help them do that. Yeah. And so there was a couple scriptures that kind of came to mind because it is not my job. I can't turn a heart. Mm -hmm. Like, cause so, so John 6:44 says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So no one, so it's not like, I can't draw him. I am the vessel. I am, I'm going to help speak into other eternity, but ultimately God is going to draw him. And then I think the other thing, the other scripture was first Peter one, three, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, yeah. he has caused us to be born again. Mm -hmm. And so because, because we understand that, you know, as you said, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we could do to make that happen. Therefore, there's no trophies. There's no trophies no. in the world of evangelism. Yeah. There is just a faithfulness. And, and actually, as you said, an exuberance and a passion because we fully understand that people have to make this decision and their eternity depends on this decision. And so we should be, we should be very passionate and zealous to make sure that they can make the best decision that they can. Well, even in that, I think in, in more areas than just evangelism, we get our roles with God so messed up. What's his job and my job? And we love to take on the responsibility of the things that God has said, this is me. This is what I do. This is my participation in this. Here's your piece. Mm -hmm. And when we branch out of that, it puts so much pressure on us right. that's just not necessary. And then we start performing mm -hmm. for God, which is mm -hmm. messy, and it never ends well. And right. when we can really say, Lord, I see this is the instruction you've given me, and then the rest is you. Mm -hmm. There's so much freedom in that. Right. And it becomes right. fun. Right. Like when someone rejects, and it's happened. I mean, I've offered for people to accept Jesus. And they're like, ah, no thanks. I'm like, okay. And it stings a little. And for sure the first time is the worst. But once you get past that, you're like, they're not actually rejecting me. No, they're rejecting no. Jesus, and that hurts my heart. Right. And I don't want them to, but it's not me. Right, right. I always say that we're responsible to steward the word yeah, and steward what word. God is saying. We steward that, and then we release the outcome to God. Mm -hmm. so, so when God says, hey, you should probably go talk to that person, 
we, he's not actually saying, hey, go get that person saved. He's saying, I'm going to give you something to say, and I want you to be a good steward of that, and then go ahead and release the outcome to me. Because here's what I know. The Bible tells us that God watches over his word to perform it, and that, and that all of God's words, will, they will always accomplish what they're sent forth to do. So we know that as someone has a word planted in them, and we've stewarded this, that even at the end of their day, God can, God can resurrect that word in their spirit, and they will have an opportunity to respond to it. And we might be a million miles away. We might be in another country. But God will always watch over his word, and it will always, always do what it was sent forth to do, which is literally to help people make a decision. Yeah about their eternity. So I think that's, I think that's super great. Well, and there's something to that. So my mom's a hospice nurse. And so she is part of people coming to the end of their days. And she has stories all the time about people who literally walk through their life and they recount encounters with God and they just process at her. And she's kind of like, okay, she's amazing. And just receives what they're working through. But it people do. Like your words and what you're throwing out does make a difference. Whether someone makes a decision right then or not. Right. It's impactful. Right. And I think, I think even along those lines, one thing I always say is that prayers, the Bible says that the prayers are always before the Father. Mm-hmm. That, that people, prayers are eternal. Meaning, yeah. I, I remember my mother-in-law who I, like one of my most favorite adored people in my life and she was she was she had cancer and we kind of knew the end of her life was coming and I remember talking to her about just how if she was ready and I remember saying like there's still some people I've been praying for Mm -hmm. and I said to her you know your prayers are eternal meaning the prayers that you pray even after you're sitting up in heaven with Jesus they're still here and God will still be faithful to those prayers and faithful to those words that you spoke and and God will I think I believe God will keep you alive until you respond to that word. God's going to be like, hey, I got prayers of this grandma that prayed for you for 50 years, and I need to do something with those prayers because I've promised her to respond to those prayers. She's up here with me, and she's, she's going to be mad at you if you don't do it right because she spent a lot of time praying for you. But your prayers are eternal, so make sure that you're praying and make sure that you're planting that seed because it will not return void. And so with that, Here's a great question, and this one came in to us before we started, and it says, and I, and I love this because we, we had a great heartfelt conversation about this earlier. It says, how can I continue to support our worldwide mission teams and organizations during this time, meaning this time when missionaries, their visas aren't being renewed? So they're not able to go back into the countries that they were supposed to be. We're, not many people are sending missions into the mission field. And here's the other thing. In, in a missionary world, typically a missionary will come or go back to their country of origin. And maybe for four or five months, they're going to raise funds and then go back and do what they're doing. And that's not happening right now. So we were talking through that with a lot of, well, go ahead and speak to that. Because you, you had a lot of really good insight into that. So there's several layers to how you can help. The first, I think we've already mentioned prayer. Prayer is so powerful, and it feels not powerful because you just sit there and you pray and you're by yourself and nothing happens in that moment. You might have a beautiful encounter with God right then, but it, it goes out and it does work. Like we've had situations, prayer walking in different regions and countries, and 
you're just investing in prayer and then you come back or you hear testimonies of months later and the areas like the brothel areas you were walking through and all the brothels have shut down or you're prayer walking a city and you're asking for something specific and in a few months that happens. So prayer for the mission field, local and international, is so important and makes such a difference. The other one is financial, that a lot of these locations get a lot of support by having people come in. They bring supplies, they bring funds, uh, they participate and are generous while they're there, and they're not getting that. So if there's organizations that you can partner with financially in this season or specific missionaries, that makes a huge difference. But And then reaching out and just being encouraging. Like Desi is one of our missionaries, and he was here a couple weeks ago. Reach out to him. Like you, we have stuff on social media about him, and you can reach out specifically and send him a prayer. Send him a, hey, we're thinking about you. Or you make a difference, and you're seen, and you're heard. And, like, we know you're not just out there wandering around. Like, you're living on mission. And so it's so huge. But I think the biggest and best thing to realize is we have a value to partner with organizations that are doing uh, a work that is raising up indigenous leadership. So while missionaries might be home, there's still people on the ground. Like the mission field didn't just vacate. It's not empty. There are people in every nation on the ground, believers who are continuing to plow. And so in those ways, through prayer, through financial giving, through reaching out and encouraging, you're participating in the work that they're doing. And so. Right. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. I think that because I don't think, I think everybody in this shelter in place, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really important, and I want to sound the alarm, just know that there's still people all around the world that, that yeah. need to hear the gospel. And, and I think you mentioned something that was really important. We have certain values for all, all of our different ministries here at Movement Church, and, and a couple of our values and missions, because they say, well, part, there's a lot of people who want you as a church to partner with them. But, but Haley, and Haley runs our, our, the arm of missions for the Movement Church, and so there's three things that, that we really require, and one of them is that our missions are evangelistic. In other words, people are going to get saved. They're yeah. going to get saved, so the gospel is being preached, and, and I think you and I have a heart for unreached people groups. Oh, yeah. And, and so we were in <laughs> India, and we were, there was a part of the mission where we were in, um, in an area where there are unreached people groups, mm-hmm. and you just have to, like, go on the back of a motorcycle for eight hours and climb a mountain and in the high and I said I'm gonna strap a backpack on my back I want to go there I want to go to I want to I want to go give the gospel and that just that for some reason that sounded fun but one of them is that it has to be evangelistic in other words connecting people to God so that they can make a decision about their eternity and the second thing is very much that 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 we it would be an organization or a work that raises up indigenous people so that they are taking responsibility for their villages and their towns and their regions so that pastors are being raised up in the midst of their own people. Because in the world we're living in right now, guess what? The mission fields that have all indigenous people, they still have their pastors. They They're in full operation right have, now. Yes, they yeah. still have their missionaries. The one thing they don't have is the support. Correct. And so we need to make sure that we're giving them support and that we're also, again, praying for them and really supporting them during this time. And so, okay, so favorite story, favorite evangelistic story from the mission field. Are we talking local, international? Um, 
let's do international. Okay, I'm scrolling back up. I wrote down so many. There's a lot. Because there's just so many funny things that happen that just would never happen right. when you're living right. so focused in Michigan, whether you're local or you're international. And so the one that I wrote down, uh, it was last year around this time, we did a trip with our ministry school students to Cambodia and Thailand. And while we were in Thailand, we had, it was kind of over a weekend, so we had some free time. So we were like, let's just go treasure hunt around. And Wait, tell us what a treasure hunt is. So treasure they hunt. They terrify me, by the way. They're but my I do favorite. Them. I know they are. We're so different. Treasure <laughs> hunt or house to house are my favorite. You just go knock on a door and you're like, hi, I'm Haley. Want to hang out? And then you just go. Work through language barriers and it's, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. So we, so treasure hunt, you can do it a couple ways. One, you sit and pray and ask God to show you people or things or locations like show me someone's t-shirt and you just ask and pray for God to show you someone mm -hmm. and then you walk out in the town and you just wander and God right or left or straight and you wander and you look for these people and then approach them and mm -hmm. be obedient just listen to Holy Spirit and go mm -hmm. uh, you can also just go out and just listen and say God guide us where are we going mm -hmm. so we used our treasure hunt to kind of tour around and at the same time, everywhere we went, we're like, okay, we're going to talk to someone or have an encounter with someone. So we end up, I don't even remember what it's called. You might. It's the huge statue, the huge gold statue on the mountain. It's like one of the highest points. In Thailand? In Thailand. I don't know what it's called. It's called yes. something. Yes, it's and something. it's a it's, ginormous it's a place. gold statue. Yes. The giant, is it the giant Buddha? It is. Yes. Okay. I've been there. Yeah. It's the big Buddha. Big Buddha. Lots of Buddhas. And so you, to get there, you're walking up these stairs. And so, and it's just cool to see. Like you're there and that's an attraction. So yeah, we're going to go. So we're walking up these stairs and you can literally feel the weight like hitting you, like feeling like you're going to fall backward walking up these stairs. And we just kept going, pressing on. And I'm like, all right, ladies, like, let's yeah. pray. Let's just start praying and interceding while we're here. Like, this is super cool. But this is also a place of worship to another God. Let's pray. And so we're walking around and just kind of praying in our hearts. And uh, at one point, and you're always asking, like, Lord, is it safe for us to be here? And you're always asking those questions to just be wise. Like, is it a good idea to talk? So we're literally at someone else's temple. Mm -hmm. We want to be respectful and not aggressive and forceful, but we also want to be obedient to what you want to do, Lord. Right. So we're walking and asking, and the girls were like, I think it's these two ladies. So we approached them. And language barriers, and it's messy, and you're trying to figure it out. And we just start, like, man, we have words for these women, so we just start giving them words about uh, provision over their lives, about the Lord seeing them and knowing them, like they're not lost, they're not alone. And this one woman, she just starts weeping, which isn't necessarily culturally normal right. for you to right. weep in front of a stranger. Right, especially in that area. Yeah. Right. And right. so <laughs> we're having this moment, and her friend starts interpreting for her. And she was there. Uh, she had come from, like, village areas in Thailand to the city to work in a bar. Mm -hmm. But no one would hire her because she was too old. Mm -hmm. So she was, I mean, she'd used everything to get here and now had no way to get home. She had no way to work or make a living, and she was just lost. So she came to the temple in search of answers. And we approach her and we're like, hi, want to meet Jesus? 
and Jesus's provision and Jesus sees you and he right. knows you and she's right. just a mess like mm -hmm. seriously this is real and right. so we're just saying like Jesus like pray to Jesus and she's like Buddha and we're like no 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 Jesus mm -hmm. is the one and right. we just keep enforcing it. and there's crazy language barriers and so part of that right. you just have to have faith and believe right. that God's breaking right. through that, and he was. Like, she's having an encounter with the presence of God. And right. so we gave him hugs and rings and all the money we had <laughs> on us and just said, we love you and, yeah. like, talk to Jesus, like, right. pray to Jesus. And right. she kept going, Jesus, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to pray to Jesus. And yeah. so yeah. it was just so beautiful, like, yeah. common day, a quick encounter, five minutes, and who knows where her life is now. Right, because you have to know that God, God intervened in the yeah. normal course of her day, mm -hmm. and you were just willing to steward what he gave you. Yeah. And yeah, tre treasure hunts terrify me. They terrify me, but I've, but I've, been, on, I've been on a few. They're so cool. Uh, I know, I know. And my husband loves door-to-door -door with the Mexico missions. He, he loves door-to-door -door ministry. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because, but, but I do them because I know when God puts an anointing oh. on that, I know that there's a calling. And, yeah, so I know that we, um, when we would go into door-to-door ministry, we were, were, for instance, once we were on a, a mission in Cambodia, and, you know, we get off and door-to-door, -door, all the team goes out, door-to-door, just going to knock on the door, and they're going to tell people about Jesus, and I go, hey, I t I'm kind of hanging back a little bit, and then I go, okay, hey, I'm going to come over here, and I, I knock on my first door, and it happens to be the village elder. And so we, I, I just, I get the village elder, right? And so I, so I sit down with them and we start talking and, and it was the coolest thing because, you know, the first thing I asked him was what, what is the thing that troubles you the most? Hmm. And he says, I can't teach no matter what I do. I can't teach the people in my village to be kind. Hmm. And I said, yeah, that's probably not going to happen yeah. because in and of themselves, they're probably not they're, kindness and, and all those, that's a fruit of the spirit. Spirit. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, anyways, we got at, we got a, a Bible in His language, and we everybody we were there for I don't know an hour, two hours, and I never left that house. And then at the end, we got to pray, and he had his Bible, and he was going to start teaching Jesus to to his town. And I thought, man, this was probably one of the best moments. But mm -hmm. but he had a lot of questions about about yeah. what you know God and what makes your God different. But see, my job at that point was just to connect him to God mm -hmm. and then, and to, and to preach the good news of Jesus. And so all I'm doing is connecting him and, you know, we're praying and going and, you know, I don't know, maybe that whole village is, is Christian <laughs> right now. I like to believe that it is. So that's, that's a great story. But there's something, I think it's, I went brunch because yeah. when you, especially in very like tribal or village cultures, when you get the heart, of the chief or the elder or the key leader, mm -hmm. it opens the door mm -hmm. for the gospel to get into that region. Right. And so right. like we were on that same trip in Mozambique at Bush Outreach. Yes. And you ride on a, yes. in a big that truck. Was, that was a very, for very hours and hours. Ride. I made Julie sleep in a tent <laughs> in a, the middle of Mozambique. That was a very long ride. It was a great ride. And yes. you get out there and you camp and all mm -hmm. this, and then they always present 
the leaders with gifts. And do you remember ours? They forgot the gifts. Yep. They, they, they forgot the gift. Well, they got put because multiple trucks go out to multiple areas. Wrong, so wrong truck. Our gifts got put on a different truck. So we're like, well, what do we have to give? And someone had a soccer ball. <laughs> and so we're like, we will present you with a soccer ball. Soccer ball. I thought we were going to get killed. And you we know, were all waiting. We were all waiting. We, right? were, we were ready. Like, oh my gosh, we <laughs> ready need to, to run. be ready. We just insulted the the chief, and which the, you don't do. No, that's no, not a thing. Not good. And do you remember what he did? He he literally looked at it, and then at some point Roman, he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> And he holds it up, and everybody cheers. And we had an hour long. <gasps> it was like it was such line. a deep breath at that point, where oh. you're just like, okay, we're we're gonna live tonight. Oh my gosh! Thank, Thank you. goodness. You like but the yes, soccer ball. But that's so cool. So they show. So this chief was stoked with the soccer ball. They show the Jesus film, which is this beautiful story of yeah. Jesus from beginning to end. They do a message, they preach it, and then they do like a prayer line, and everyone can walk through and get blessed. People get healed, and people accept Jesus, and it's so crazy and amazing. But then the next day, the chief walks into our campsite, and he's like, I love Jesus. Build a church here. And we planted a church. We planted the a church. We planted a church. We had money that the movement had sent with us, and then we called Pat, Pastor Pat, and we were like, we, we're going to need a couple thousand dollars more because we're planting a church <laughs> in this it. village. And he yeah. gave us the plot of land, and we went out and we saw it, and then we had the appropriate people you know, right. that are watching over that. Indigenous pastor volunteered to go stay. But, that, but the crazy part so is crazy. The, the chief of the village opened that opportunity and once his right. heart is one for Jesus, the whole village is going to follow because it's such a culture of trust right. of the chief. Right, as the, as the leader goes. As right. the leader goes. And so, so that was, so we fun. were so excited about that. Oh but my that, gosh, it was, was so was cool. Tense, that was a tense moment. I'm like, please like the soccer ball. Please like the soccer ball. That was just, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go back moment. to the tent for some water. <laughs> It's crazy, and the, and we prayed for an hour for people. It was yeah. it was awesome. But here's the question: So evangelism on the mission field, and, yeah. and obviously you and I have have we have a heart for missions, and we're, yeah. we're you know we that actually didn't happen until I was probably over. I think it was in my late 40s the first real okay. solid international, not besides the well, the work we do across the board in Mexico. But um, but my heart is is there. It's so hard sometimes to come home. Mm. and we behave differently mm-hmm. when we get home. When you're on the mission field, you wake up every day, and you go, okay, God, what, what do you do? have for me to do? Yeah. How am I going to connect people to Jesus? And if you don't show up, <laughs> um, things, things could go very wrong. They can. And then we come home, and we get back into the routine of things, and I think we forget to stay on mission mm-hmm. because that we don't, there is no reason why we can't go find a field and pray and have yeah. the kids come out and, and, and pray Jesus. So it's, it's kind of hard. Can you speak to that a little bit about, because I know you come back and forth on short-term missions, and it always bothers me a little bit, mm-hmm. and me. It always, bothers, it always bothers me a little bit how quickly I yeah. just get back into routine. Well, I think it's such a common question, and a lot of times people ask it in the context of, like, how come all these cool things happen overseas and they don't happen here? And so I'm going to kind of answer both of those because I think they're both really important and relevant. Those things do happen here. People are getting healed and set free and delivered and saved, and it's happening. It is. Maybe not in as, like, exuberant amounts for a couple reasons. One is think about if you've ever been on a missions trip or seen people prepare, 
you spend months in prayer. You spend months preparing, you're raising money, you're praying, you're asking God what you're going to do there. And so there's this huge preparation time Mm -hmm. that you put into it. Mm -hmm. Then you show up and you have no distractions. You're not in a rush. You don't have to get dinner on the table. You don't have deadlines at work. You don't have expectations of family and friends. You're literally there to live for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's it, which is beautiful. Like all those other things aren't wrong or bad, but if we let them, they become distractions and they become priority in our lives. And then we come home and we just had this amazing experience and we might be on fire for a couple of weeks and then busyness and rush and hurry and we're, we're trying to do, we're trying to accomplish things that are material for this world and we lose sight of doing the work of the forever eternal kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And it, that becomes the forefront. And I was even thinking in prep for tonight, I'm like, man, I'm a list maker. Mm-hmm. When I wake up and I make my list for the day, is sharing Jesus with someone on that list? Is it a priority? Is it number one? Am I praying and investing just like we do when we go on trips in God, what are you doing today? Like you can literally wake up every day, open your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to encounter today? Treasure hunt every day of your life. It's so fun. Right. I think that's again, first Peter, like always be ready to, to get, to, to give an answer to everyone who asks you Mm -hmm. about the hope that you have. So an interesting thing about that, Haley, is that people would actually discern, have to be able to discern that you had hope. So, I mean, are you, are you, are you walking around as a hope-filled person? When was the last time somebody asked you, hey, you seem like a really hope-filled person. What, why? Because maybe you're not. Maybe you, you're the Eeyore, and, you know, you're just like, oh, it'll probably rain today. I don't know. The world is just really going. You yeah. know, so, so always be ready to give an answer. Just be prepared. Every day, wake up and go, I need to stay on mission. I need to help someone make a decision about their eternity today, whether that's my um, my sister, mm-hmm. the, the guy at Submarina or whatever we're doing, right? Just, you know, helping people make a decision about their eternity and being able, being honored enough to speak into that. And that, that kind of leads us, uh, do you have something? Go ahead. Well, and I think expectation. Right. Have expectation right. that God will in your right. everyday. Like right. God can right. encounter someone today, whether... Right. And it may not look like you expect it to look, but wake up and have that thought and expectation of like, all right, let's do this, Jesus. Let's go. Right. And I think that that kind of gets us to, I think we have time for one more question. But actually, people have sent in a couple questions, and I have two. Okay. And they're kind of the same. And it's how have the restrictions affected you? I think as the church, they're kind Mm of, um, they're kind of. Yep. In, in that vein. And then the last question, which is kind of the same, walk us through what it is to be a pastor during this time. And what would you say is God's greatest desire for those who are currently distant from or who do not know him yet? And I think the first question, I mean, all of that together. So basically for the church and I think for all of us, what's what has this season of pandemic or COVID, how, how has, has that affected us as a church? And I just really... Honestly, I've said this a million times. I don't. I don't think it has really. I think in a in practicality, it has affected us. So we had to pivot. We don't have hundreds of people coming onto our campus every week and hundreds of children. So so that part of it is different. But honestly, 
we have to stay on mission Come on. because I, I, it is our job to, to prepare people and to disciple people to live out their faith in their today and in, in the reality of their world today. And whether that reality when we're on mission is Cambodia or whether that reality when we're on mission is India, as we just, we just did, mm -hmm. or whether that reality is here in San Marcos, California, and we've been told that, okay, people can't come and, and meet in your building. But regardless, the mission that we're on as a church is how can I help you live out your faith? How can I help you understand that, it, that and encourage you to go out and speak into people people's eternity how can I how can I encourage you to do that and so we have to pivot a little bit in what we're teaching okay now this is a situation but our mission is the same yeah. and when I get off mission when I get into the details that surround me I think I lose my peace and I think I lose focus because I only have so much energy and I want that energy in my day to go towards as a pastor helping people to connect to God, helping people to live out their Christian experience, right? And to grow in the Lord. And mostly I want to get people on mission on. because there's only one to me. And I think if, if I was completely honest, this time where people are not able to kind of check a box and go into, into a church, and not that that's what everybody's doing, but it's really required people to understand that, see, I can't go talk to your neighbor over your fence. Mm -hmm. You're the only one that can do that. And I need you to get on mission. We need to get on mission because when the opportunities kind of close here, God opens up other opportunities. And I think this disruption has kind of caused people to go, oh, gosh, I got to be on mission. I got to know how to get in the presence of God and worship and get into my word and glean and listen to the Holy Spirit because um, I think I'm the only one that can go talk across the fence to my neighbors or I'm the one walking into the grocery store and seeing that same girl working, you know, every morning at 730. And I think for me, it's it's really a question of, and I, I just said this to someone the other day, I said, I, I try not to be... I just try not to be moved by the circumstances. And, and I read this, this scripture in Philippians 4, 11 and 12, and it's Paul because he, he, Paul had a life that was kind of challenged. He was preaching the gospel from prison, totally isolated. That's sheltering in place, 100%. And then he was preaching the gospel, <laughs> traveling all over the world, right? Yeah. And it says, I've learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. Mm -hmm. I know how to live humbly and I know how to abide. I'm accustomed to any and every situation. I am accustomed to, to any and every situation, to being filled and being hungry, to having plenty and having need. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I think that is really Philippians this 4, 11 and 12 is my scripture through this, mm -hmm. is that in, in every situation, I can, I can do all things. And so I bring it. I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm on mission. So, well, and I think when we dropped into all of this, we talked about method versus material, right? And the right. material of the gospel, the mission, the, what we're doing, the, why we're doing it, nothing's changed. We may have a different focus on it. Right. It might right. have been heightened for some of us. Mm -hmm. But the mission hasn't changed. The method has. And thank goodness, because sometimes your method needs to be freshed up. Mm -hmm. It needs some love. It needs right. a little bit of a shaking. And so right. I, I know in my own life, I was reevaluating methods. 
and seeing some that weren't producing the results I wanted. Right. And right. it took that evaluation time and it takes sometimes this big jolt like we had with this right. season right. to have us realize, man, are we actually being effective? Right. And, and I think this time really caused it kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit. Because I, I often like, say the book that's going to be written during this time is, is going to be preaching to an empty room. How do you equip your you people? You should write it. I should write that book, right. How do you, how do you equip your people, it, it, the people in your church family, to, to be not in this room, to be out and to be on mission? And I, I just can't say that enough. I've been saying that for months. People stay on mission. Stay on mission and let's help people make a decision for their eternity. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys today. I mean, Haley, you and I, we've done a lot of, we've known that we've been kind of connected at heart yes. and in mission for a really long time. And I know that, uh, that that's, we haven't taken our last trip together because I know that we, Come on. I know we are going to strap a backpack <laughs> and go up that mountain. Yes. And, and I'm excited about that. But I just, I want y'all to know, especially during this time, it's it's crazy because need sometimes makes people more hungry. I think yeah more hungry and open. and more willing and more open yeah. to hearing about good news and and I think this time has kind of not only has it has it opened up some need in people's hearts and they're feeling a little powerless and out of control and boy when when God steps in you're like oh we're not out of control God's yeah. in control but I think it also has revealed some as you said some maybe faulty um, systems in our life. So if I'm being completely vulnerable, one of the things that I realized during this time, because church is, is kind of my fishbowl, mm -hmm. and I, I work quite a lot, and the church people are all, you know, serving, ministering, caring for. And one of the things I realized when this pandemic hit was that my circle of people outside of church had grown way too small. Mm -hmm. And I find myself going, well, if I'm not going to the grocery store, I'm not out. We're not at, we go to dog agility class. If I'm not, I uh, know my dog's so bad. Um, and if I'm not there, my circle had gotten really small. And the Lord kind of pointed that out to me. And he said, you need to expand your circles because I, I, you have a voice. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm being really vulnerable, that, that was really the truth. But anyways, I just want to encourage you. Our time is up. But what a great conversation. Will this you come fun. back? The next time you come back, I want you to talk about prayer and intercession Ooh. and we'll have some stories to tell fun. we'll have stories to tell because being where we were on our last mission trip <laughs> we have some prayer stories so one, so come back mouth. in a couple weeks and let's tackle <laughs> prayer and Haley I want to thank you so much mm. for you know you're a kid you've been a kid you've grown up in our midst you've been here for 10 11 50,000 years. Ten? I don't know. Since you were 10. I what don't know. What year is it? 11 years this yeah. month. You started when you were 11. And so, and you put yes, up with I this did. old lady and <laughs> I, I appreciate all you do for us. And I think the Thank people you. in our church family just adore you. And you, you. you press me and you push me. As you mm. say, I'm going to push you through that door and you keep me running really fast. And I, love that about you mm -hmm. because there is no getting comfortable so anyways will you Thank do you. us a favor and will you just pray us out okay and yeah and i look forward to you being back again thank so, you you're welcome Let's it's pray. been fun to have this be family 
It's been a wild 11 years, but I've loved every minute of it. Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, Papa, you are good. You are gracious. You are present everywhere we are, Lord. I thank you right now that your spirit, your courageous, life-giving breath would breathe into each of us in a new way right now, awakening this desire that you have for your lost kids. We call it to attention in each of us to see faces as souls considering eternity, that we would look at them and hope that they would meet you once again. Father, I thank you for for the strengthening of this church body to stay on mission, to stay focused, to do the work, to get equipped, and to be brave in their activation of every tool that you've given us to walk powerfully in your spirit to reach the world. We take on the mandate. We, we want it. We are longing for it, Lord, and we want to participate in what you have for us as a church, as a community, and as the global body of Christ. We, we thank you for paving a path before us in all these ways. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And hey, I want to encourage you all tomorrow morning, get up and speak into somebody's eternity. Yes. Ask them if you can and just speak into that eternity. And I want to encourage you, you're going to want to join next week. So next week, Pastor Jeff is going to be with us and he's going to be talking about the prophetic. Go figure. And and so send your questions in in advance for him because he's going to be answering questions like, how does the movement feel about the prophetic movement? And how do we use prophecy and the prophetic here at the, the movement? church mm-hmm. so we we're going to welcome pastor jeff and and it's live so you never know i bet she's going to have a word for you so you're definitely going to want to join us and then this sunday pastor jeff is up to speak where can they send questions info so, yes you, they can send questions well they can send they can text the 500-4888 number if you have a question so 500-4888 we use that number for everything it's the catch-all yeah. or info at the movement.org both you work can, you can go ahead and send your questions in about prophecy and pastor jeff will address them so anyways god bless you guys have a great thank week. you guys we'll see you, s- see you soon, soon. <laughs>